Consequence Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by Nick B. Fun fact about Nick B. Yeah. Fun fact about Nick B. He forgets that he's in charge of things periodically. It's a hundred episodes. I can't, there's a lot of facts. It's a lot of facts. You know what? It is a lot of facts. That's a lot of facts. That you're openly able to make up. Oh, am I? Yeah. yeah. I've only used real ones. Then that's oh your fault. This started when he was in a boy band that didn't exist. I thought that was all true. What? <laughs> <laughs> this whole Fun time? Fun fact about Nick B, he convinced an idiot podcaster <laughs> that he was actually in a boy band. Mikey tried to buy his album. Was he really not a DJ? No. no. That was a lie. Wow. I don't check his social oh <laughs> Or listen when we talk about it. Wow. This is what happens when you're on your phone throughout the whole podcast. <laughs> Looking for Nick B Fun <laughs> Where does the cycle end? <laughs> this oh. episode also brought to you by... Uh, Tom. Tom. I got a spider for us, everybody. Oh, yeah? yeah. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> Your whole tone is completely different. It's awesome. Oh, it's a dark, robust spider Ooh. called the black house spider. The female grows up to eight millimeters with a 30 millimeter leg span. I have no idea how big that is. Me either. It's, it's in gibberish. <laughs> I know. You're the kind of girl I want to date. <laughs> As with Mikey most- is tiny ladies. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> As with most spiders, the males are smaller. Nah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Female constructs several white silk egg sacs, mm-hmm, which are secured <laughs> within the web retreat. Black house spiders are venomous, but they are not considered dangerous. But still, that's gross. The female spider never leaves the web unless forced to. Wow. So they, it's like a 1960s exactly. house spider. Exactly. It's okay. a patriarchy spider. Oh, wow. Oh, I, yeah. like, I like a traditional spider. Mm-hmm. Spiders you like traditional you. spider values. Uh, <laughs> This episode also brought to you by Rebecca. Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, hey Mikey. Are you my phone charger? Uh-oh. Oh, God. Because without you, I'd die. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want an accessory to die for, go to oh. her Etsy store at Straight On Tell Disney and get yourself some sexy, sexy Disney fetish stuff. Yeah. No, Disney ears. They're normal Disney ears. No. We're not in charge of how you use them. No! This episode also brought to you by Ryan. Hey guys, so update. Remember when Ryan was plant shaming me? Yes. About killing all of my plants? Yeah. yeah. Well, Ryan kidnapped one of my plants. What? What? Because he said, no, I think it needs some more light. The Wait, plant shame me. Really? Yeah, that really happened. Holy shit. I know. I was like, I'm sorry. That is a real power move. I know. Hey, this plant you're killing, I'm taking it so yeah. it doesn't die. Ryan just sent me a slack. I was like, hey, by the way, I, I took your plant. You should have sent one out to the company, Amber Alert. <laughs> What is the amber alert for plants? Aloe alert. It's an aloe alert. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, burn. Oh, I see what you did. Nailed it. Nice. Welcome back to another episode of The The Patreonicals. All right, so last time (laughs) Isaac mixed a bunch of cannibal stuff into chemicals in Sunny D. Yeah. Oh, that's right. shipment. Well, this episode opens up at an assisted living facility. Oh, Aww, palliative care? Where a nice aide named Derek. <gasps> nice. Hey, Derek. Is giving out medication with a Sunny D like substance. Oh, oh that's no. Kind. Uh-oh. Does he know? He doesn't know that. Oh, <gasps> no. So then they all start eating him alive. <laughs> what? You said that so calmly. Well, wait, who's eating him alive? The elderly. Because Why? the Sunny D turns you into oh. cannibal. Yes, right. 
Yeah. It's like a waking mm. zombie juice. It's really slow because there's a lot of them and most and of them don't. I was about to say because they're super old, right? And they don't have teeth. He got gums Ew. to death. Well, well there's some, some dentures. So there was dentures when his body was found. There was like six pairs of dentures found at various places. Oh, oh. they were everywhere. This one starts on a downer. Yeah. Well, the cannibal radar goes off Uh-oh. like it does. What does it sound like? Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that is oh. definitely the cannibal alarm. <laughs> so- wow. And so Matthew and Eddie head to the quarantined assisted living facility. Right. What happened was Isaac ate the head of the nursing home and replaced the orange juice with Sunny Cannibal Sunny D. So Matthew and Eddie have to go in there, you know, to put them all down. Right. Ooh. There's no coming back. From cannibalizing Derek? Yeah. So Matthew has his umbrella and he's shooting lasers out of it. Eddie brought a scurry <laughs> of squirrels to fight them. Nice. A scurry? I is mean, that... squirrels are scrappy, man. They are, man. Yeah. Yeah. He had 47 of them. Okay. 47 squirrels? Yeah. He also brought some chipmunks. Right. Okay. Like, you remember the chipmunks from Rescue Rangers? Yeah. Chip, Chip and Dale? My Chip and kids Dale. have just yeah. discovered that show and they love it. Chip and Dale didn't make it out. <gasps> what? No! Didn't make it up. They were crushed by a walker and ate. No. What? They just happened to both be under the tennis balls at the wrong time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Isaac got away. They're still tracking this Sunny D. They don't know Isaac's plan here. There was a note left (gasps) for Matthew and Eddie. Uh oh. From Isaac. It said, I'm coming for you. Uh oh. (gasps) Stay tuned next week. To find out what happens on the, the Patreonicals. This episode also brought to you by, ooh, a new ooh, Patreon new entering the game. Entering. Yeah, Mats. Hey, Mats, what up? And Mats is from Sweden. He is. Oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That down under. Odd. Yeah, Sweden is not down under. For Mats, we're going to do some fun Swedish facts. Yeah. Fun. And so I have one here. So apparently students scream every night at 10 p.m. Why? Why? Known as the, I'm going to butcher this, Floxta Scream. Floxta Scream. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it is college students. So residents of this college or whatever may be heard screaming, shouting, and howling every night at 10 p.m. Really? The collective scream is said to be students letting off a little steam. Really? Yeah. So if you're ever at a college campus in Sweden around 9.59, that's I have the goals. Perfect, yeah. Well, that's the perfect time to murder someone. Oh, how, mm. how comes no one's ever done that? We should write a movie about that. I got your first 30 pages right here. Well, that sounds real fun. Hey, are you a Swedish person that screams at 10 o'clock? Let us know. Yeah, I'd love to know. Yeah, or, but, but you don't have to scream it at us. Or, Matt's, is this also a real thing or is this person bullshitting me right. online? Because <laughs> we don't know. I would love to know. This episode also, also brought, brought to you by, by Chris. Chris. Hey, Chris. Chris wants everyone to know that they are loved and you are not alone. If you're going through a rough time, hey, join a Facebook group and reach yeah, out, absolutely. man. We're, everybody's real supportive there. Absolutely. It's really awesome. And Chris is one of those people. He's awesome. I think oh. I hear some hot theme music Oh, coming. my God. <laughs> There's some hot theme music <laughs> Coming for the theme music. Oh my god. <laughs> She's giving that theme music a husband bowl. Oh no. Like music. And then bring it into the black room. <laughs> so you guys match, and she dated someone else for 18 months. Yeah. <laughs> that relationship ended, and now like she wants ago. to get coffee. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like a real healthy start to be, man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Welcome to the Horror Virgin, everybody. I'm Jen. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin, Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. <laughs> and this week, if you guys wished that Westworld and every horror movie you've ever loved were combined, well, you're in luck, because we watched Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, we watched Cabin in the Woods yeah, this we week. Did. And it's I'm so excited to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, it's our hundredth episode. It is, guys. So it's a big, a big milestone for us. Guys, I wow. can't believe it. So you guys have seen this movie before, right? <laughs> yes. 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 I saw it in theaters. I also saw it in theaters. So, Mikey, what did you think about it when you saw it in theaters? I liked it. Okay. I still like it. Okay. Jen, what did you think about it when you saw it in theaters? When I saw it in theaters, I fucking went insane for it and loved it. And it is, I think, my favorite horror movie. This is definitely a thirsty Jen movie. But it's also, like, right up Jen's alley. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, in there. It's Jen's thing. It is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It is definitely Jen's thing. It's in there, yeah. And Jen has a thing for this movie. I've got a husband's bulge for it, one might say. (laughs) Well, I clearly hadn't seen it before. But yeah, it was good. I liked it. I thought it was good. And we've been talking about doing this movie for our 100th episode. Forever. Probably like the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, Because I, one, I love this movie. And two, like this is a movie that references so many other horror movies. We didn't want you to watch it until you got all the references. I do feel like I enjoyed it a lot more than I would have had we done it for our family. Fifth episode, really? right? Yeah, Yay! because I got all the references. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And there are a million references in here, and I'm gonna link a video um, on YouTube where there's a guy who dissects everything, and he shows like this, like from that that chart that they have at one point. Like right. he'll link to where in the movie it is and show you all the images. Oh, we I just bet can't... that elevator scene is a lot of fun to pause and see oh, what's yeah. in there. Yeah, well, and he does that, but oh, he'll okay. link it yeah, to yeah, yeah, like yeah. the part on the whiteboard where it says it's really cool. Like the video is ten minutes long. Long. Yeah, I'm so not we gonna, can't go yeah. We've got time for 10 minutes. Enjoy our 90-minute podcast. So, <laughs> guys. <laughs> not surprising me that Mikey thinks 10 minutes is a long time. Mikey is single, ladies. 10 minutes is respectable. <laughs> 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 what, are you doing it twice? Yeah. So, uh, let's get into this fucking movie. All right. So, we start out with some credits and some bloody images. Yes. It's like foreign ancient images. And it's kind of like the ones we're going to see at the end. Yeah, it's, it foreshadows the right. reason they're doing what they're doing. Right. It's image shadowing, would mm, you say? I think it's just called foreshadowing. Cred- oh, oh. Have we been saying that word wrong this whole time? <laughs> <laughs> and then we start with them at a coffee machine, and it's Bradley Whitford, and I love him so much. He's so good in this movie. Honestly, the other guy's great in it, too, and he's you recognize this guy. I yeah. can't remember his name, but he is definitely a, hey, it's that guy. He's Richard Jenkins. Yeah. Okay. He's a really can, good actor. He's great. He's yeah, really he great, great. He's awesome in this, but Bradley Bradley Whitford is probably my favorite part of this movie, hands down. Oh, yeah. He's amazing in everything. Amazing. But the two of them are just great together. Yeah, it's great. And they're just like shooting shit at the water cooler. Mm -hmm. I think they're talking about fertility treatments. Yeah, and baby proofing houses. Bradley Whitford's complaining because his wife is baby proofing the house and she's not even pregnant yet. Right, which is a little overkill, I would say. Well, this whole movie's a little overkill, (laughs) I might say. Bite your tongue, (laughs) (laughs) But they intentionally wanted this scene to feel like like you sat down in the wrong movie because it's very not horror. Oh, this whole movie uh, for the first like 20 minutes isn't very not horror. Well, I mean, honestly, all of the workplace scenes that we don't really know what's happening right at the beginning. It doesn't feel like horror at all. It feels like like workplace comedy. Yeah. 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 Uh, And then, of course, when you cut to the Chris Hemsworth clan of people, that feels very early in a horror movie, right? Yeah. Everything else feels like it's like an office comedy. Well, did you guys catch the metaphor for the movie? Of course not. (laughs) 
I don't know why I thought you went after 100 episodes. What is a metaphor? Meta- what is this media for you're talking yeah. about? It's Jen's bread and butter. So the whole movie is a giant metaphor for the state of horror right now. Sure. And so Bradley Whitford, it's Hadley and Sitterson. That's Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins. They are uh-huh. supposed to be Drew Goddard and um, Joss Whedon who were the writers and directors and the creators. Yeah. The director is like the studio and the ancient ones are the viewers. Yeah. So the metaphor is that they are con- like constructing this whole movie to please the ancient ones who are like audiences. Sure. That so makes sense. That's what that part is. Yeah. Yeah. And we can like unpack the metaphor as it goes, but I love how like that's one of the reasons I love this movie so much is I think it comments on the state of horror. All right. So they are like the stand in for the director and writer of right. the movie. That which makes sense. They're orchestrating all of the events. Yeah. So yeah. it makes sense that they would kill themselves because writing and directing <laughs> a movie makes you want to kill yourself. But they're talking as they're talking about all this baby proofing stuff. So a scientist lady, she works in the chem lab. Oh, Lynn? Lynn. Oh, Lynn. Yeah, 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 of course. So she's talking about Stockholm and Stockholm has gone south and we don't really know exactly what's going on right now, but we know there's a problem in Stockholm and there's a problem in Japan and they haven't had a glitch since 98. So they're like this, this project and the stakes are pretty high. She says it's a key scenario. So the glitch in 98 or the, the thing in 98, is that like Scream? Is that a reference to Scream? It's a reference to the faculty. Okay. okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I knew it was something like 90s horror-esque uh-huh. related. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Well, because it has all of the same characters like it's got the five archetypes from this right. movie but nobody dies and the movie was oh, kind yeah, of a bomb that makes sense yeah. right and there's the chemistry element of it because it's like kind of sci-fi so that's yeah. what that reference is oh, that cool. makes complete yeah. sense yeah mm-hmm. I love Joss Whedon for that like Joss Whedon is such a good writer yeah between Joss Whedon and Bradley Whitfield in this movie that's part of the reason oh, yeah, I love it so absolutely much. it's so good and then there's there's also a gorgeous man in it so I'm happy I wasn't that. in this movie no. <laughs> <laughs> so they are golf carting off and then we've got the credits jump scare on the screen. And that's what, and it didn't really get you guys. I feel like in no. the theater, I think it got me a little bit because it was so loud. But I love it's like poking fun at the jump scare trope, you know. I just thought it was a shitty way to do the title card. Well, <laughs> not even a shitty way. I thought it was like sort of silly. It was just because it's it like, you laugh in the theater. It's maybe, not right? at all scary. It feels right. like a workplace comedy because it's been funny and they're in a workplace. Uh-huh. They're in a bunker workplace, but it's still right. a workplace. And then just out of nowhere, it's just like, Minor note with an organ like in your face and then the Cabin in the Woods title card. So right. it just wasn't scary. This whole thing is like a love letter to horror, you know. Yeah, I think but so. But also, it, Joss Whedon actually said it's a love-hate letter because they're also like calling out a lot of things that bug them about horror. And I think the jump scare thing is one of those things. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right, so now we are on a street and we see Dana who's packing in a room with no pants on. And she's looking at a picture that may or may not be Stephen King. And then her friend Jules is behind her and they're kind of talking. And so these are two of our main characters. And we find out that Dana has been having a relationship with her teacher, but they may have broken up or something. Right. And that um, Jules has just dyed her hair blonde. And this is the first time anybody's seen her. And that's going to be important in a little bit. Yeah. So Dana is supposed to have been in a relationship with her professor or TA or whatever, Mm -hmm. but she's still the virgin. So I guess you remember at the end where they're like, she's like virgin. You're like, we work with what we have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. okay, Yeah. Which is one. I mean, we'll get to that. But yeah, yeah, one of the reasons I love this movie. Hey, just a disclaimer, guys. I love everything about this movie. So I'm going to try not to say that every single time, but just assume if it's a part of this movie I'm talking about, I also love it just to save us some time. Can you imagine (laughs) at this point? how many I love it's I've edited out (laughs) (laughs) so they're packing up to go on a weekend trip right and then then the heavens part and Chris Hemsworth walks into the scene 
and he's amazing and really funny in this movie. Oh, yeah, he's great in this movie. I do too. I love all of the characters. Like, they're all well written. They all seem like full developed characters, you know? So he and Jules have this funny little, like, where did you get these books? I learned it from watching you. (laughs) I love that. I thought it was the best. And then that's when, like, the writing credit comes up, and I was like, oh, the writer did that on purpose. Uh (laughs) What I liked about it was, like, the relationship seems very, like, bantery and, like, Mm -hmm. caring and nice. Oh, yeah. Like, a healthy relationship. Absolutely, it does. Well, and so that's important, too, because we're seeing them now without the effects of any of the manipulation, and so we can see who they actually are. Yeah. Because he's also giving Dana a lot of study tips. And like, yeah. yeah, I took this class and this is how you can do well with this. Like, he's a smart guy. And, and very emotionally supportive, too. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then he you... points out that she's not wearing any pants. Exactly. That's emotional support. <laughs> <laughs> but he was being nice about the thing and like yeah. him up, trying oh, to set yeah. him up with his friend. Yeah, yeah it's cute. Well, and so this is when we meet Holden, who is Jesse Avery. Nope, sorry. Who was Jesse Williams. He played Dr. Avery on Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so he like catches the football that Thor had just thrown out the window to him. And then he walks in. And so they're trying to set Holden, who's Jesse Williams, up with Dana on this weekend. On like a blind date weekend. Which is oddly pressuring. It really is, yeah. Like a blind date coffee is like appropriate, but Mm -hmm. like a blind date overnight session. I think it was more like, hey, we're all going on a trip. You're single, she's single, maybe you guys will hit it off. Yeah. You don't think that's oddly pressuring? Well, I think if there had been four of them, maybe. Yeah, there wasn't five. It was like a group. And there were enough rooms that they didn't have to spend the night. Right. But That's true. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I would have. If it was a guy that looked like Jesse Williams. All right. So um, we see Holden pull up, and then we go outside, and we see Marty pull up. And he, I think, is my favorite character in this movie. What? Marty's your favorite character? Every time he was on the screen, I was like, why are you talking? He was the worst. No, he's great. He, and he's very shaggy. Yeah, I love him. He's Frank Kranz, and I think he's a little dreamy. Well, so he pulls up, parks his car, doesn't mm-hmm. roll the window up, and leaves the car. Right. Apparently, so Drew Goddard was one of the writers, and he apparently did that in college a lot, and that was the same make of his car. So that's why they put that in. <laughs> if you're leaving to go somewhere over a weekend, you better roll up your windows. That was so dumb. Well, and also, like, he locks it from the outside. Yeah. So, like, anybody, you could steal it, you know. But he's got a gigantic bong that collapses to look like a coffee mug. Yeah. All right. And so now they're leaving in the RV and they are pulling off. And as we see them pull off, we pan up to the roof and we see like Agent Smith or something with his little um, like earbud thing. And he said, the nest is empty. All right. So now they're driving to this cabin and they're talking about how it's not on any kind of global positioning. And Marty's kind of giving a little high speech about society and it needs to crumble. We're just too scared to let it, which is going to come back later on. That's a little crumble shadowing. It is a yeah. little crumble shadowing. It's also pot shadowing because he is right. super stoned. And so we keep cutting back and forth to them and then the other story, which is Hadley and Sitterson in the control room. Yeah, and they're just like prepping, getting ready mm-hmm. for yeah. you know what's about to happen. Although at this point, we have no idea what they're job is, what they're doing, any of that right. stuff. Right. Which we, I sort of liked. I do too. And we see the new guy who's... He's like a security detail guy. And yeah. he's like supposed to protect that room. Yeah. Right? But he's saying he'll hold his post. So yeah. we have no idea what the situation is, but now we're thinking... Well, because hmm. Bradley Whitford is like, you know what this job is, right? Right. You know mm-hmm. how things could go, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of like giving him shit, sort of. He's saying, I've been prepped. I'm ready. And he is very serious throughout yeah. the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Too. He is like the moral conscience of the movie. He is, yeah. yeah. He's like... Like your friend who you invite to the movie that's like a total buzzkill. Yeah, he, he's a real downer. Likes to call out patriarchy every time there's... Yeah, he's the gem. 
fan of this movie for sure. He is the situation mom. Yeah. So if I'm Bradley Whitford and you're the other guy, thanks. Jen is definitely the security detail person. Yeah, and also the chem lab lady. You can't be more than one person. I yeah. can be as many people as I want. That's the patriarchy talking. Right. About. I know. Don't tell me who I can be. It's physics. It's chemistry, Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now we cut back to our Scooby gang, and they're getting to an evil gas station. Yes. And it is the most evil gas station ever. I mean, they may as well have been selling human meat. Going into gas stations like that has become my favorite horror trip from this podcast. Yeah. I'm just like, I hate those stupid old run town <laughs> mm-hmm. gas stations where the guy lives inside of it and he's mean. You mean right. the ones that don't exist anymore? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's got like a bucket full of ears in the back room. Yeah. Or something. Yet still exists in these horror movies. Yeah. Right. I mean, because if, if this was real life, even 2012 when this movie came out, <laughs> that ma- would have been a Mapco <laughs> yeah, Express. It would be a Mapco they would have been getting monsters in Red Bull and getting back in the Rambler. <laughs> They'd still be a harbinger, but he'd be outside with a lot of piercings, smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Like, or he'd be like your Uber driver yeah. or something. You guys ready to check out? <laughs> but that's part of what this movie is doing. It's commenting on all of these tropes that are so tired we see them coming a mile away. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, they're just real dumb at this point. Right. Well, and so this is like the redheaded version of Crazy Ralph. Who's Crazy Ralph? Crazy Ralph is the harbinger. Crazy He's Ralph, got he a gets dip killed goes. in the second one. He's my favorite harbinger. Crazy Ralph is your favorite Harbinger? I stand him. Wow. But Crazy Ralph doesn't have a gas station. That's why he's not my favorite. He doesn't, but he has a bicycle. Crazy Ralph just has alcoholism. Like, that's (laughs) all Crazy Ralph has going for him. And that hat, man. All right. So this guy is the Harbinger. And that's actually where I learned the word Harbinger was from this movie. From this movie? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I guess you saw it way before I did. So that makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and you've heard me talk about the Harbinger so much, but it's because they call him that in this movie. Yeah. Not that there have never been Harbingers before. Right. Because what he's doing is he's warning them at the gas station and he's talking about they're asking for directions to the buckner place and he says people are always trying to buy that and then he's a dick to everybody i think he's saying people are always trying to sell that Mm, yeah yeah because kurt's cousin has just bought this new house and they're trying to find it right and so he doesn't say it has a death curse but he's a dick and jules is just kind of being nice to him and he calls her a whore and (laughs) yeah like out (laughs) of the the blue blue. i was like wow that escalated real quickly and they're all like, you just called my friend a whore. I'm not going to be nice to you. Yeah, they handle it appropriately. They, they really do, yeah. And it was nice to see that. So they're driving through the woods to a cabin. Oh. What? Whoa. Now it makes so much sense to me. <laughs> Why they titled the movie that? Yeah. All right, and so he's driving through a tunnel that's kind of by a ravine. Yes. And we see an eagle flying, too. Yeah. And then the eagle smashes into a force field and dies. Right. That's a little Hemsworth shadowing. It is a little Hemsworth yeah. shadowing. Jump shadowing, too, yeah. you know? But they drive through that cave and then come out the other side in the woods. Now we know they have entered Westworld. Exactly. So they pull up to the cabin, not the Evil Dead cabin, but exactly next door to the Evil Dead cabin. Because it looks exactly like the cabin in Evil Dead. Yeah, they park really far away from the cabin and then get out of the Rambler and run towards it. Which makes no sense to me. I had to comment immediately. Yeah. Because I'd be like, why are you stopping in the driveway when we pull up to the house? I mean, They're not even in the driveway. They're like park on the street. Is it the parking spot, though? No. No, it's the woods, Jen. It's the woods, There's Jen. no parking spots in it's the woods. It's carved into the, the tree. No, it's the squirrels not. did it. They're tired of having to dig tires out. No, there's no, no, no none of that. <laughs> it takes a whole scurry of squirrels you, to dig the van if out. If you have a weekend's worth of supplies, you're going to park as close to the cabin as possible. But they don't really carry anything in, really. No, because it's a movie in. and it's super unrealistic, but like, I'm, I'm just saying <laughs> They get a keg in, in there world, somehow. I That's know! True. You would park that shit as, the kegs are heavy. It's Thor, though. You would park as close as possible. Yeah. He can just throw his hammer with 
and then the little like he didn't bring Majolnir with him. Here's the one thing that bugged me about the whole movie: the parking. And then they were like, "Oh no, if there's spiders in here. What are we gonna do? We can just leave." And I was like, "You brought a camper. You guys could just." Sleep, sleep in, in the, the camper. camper. She I know. said that. She said if I see one spider, I'm sleeping in the camper. Well, she said Rambler, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. they just didn't see any spiders. <sighs> no, they just found a bunch of weird, creepy shit in the basement. They were like, oh, this is cool. Right. Yeah, exactly. we'll stick with this. It's almost like they were manipulated to not be thinking clearly. All right, so Dana goes inside first, and everything is real gross, and we don't see any spiders, but we see all of the cobwebs. And so they start going into their room, and Dana gets into her room. And then Holden goes to his room, and he sees this giant picture of a like a. So we're calling him Holden? That's his name in the movie. Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Avery. Dr. Avery, yeah. So Dr. Holden Avery goes into this room, and he sees um, this giant painting of like a group of people tearing apart this animal and it's really gross and disgusting yeah yeah Yeah, and there's a man off in the corner that i think is supposed to kind of represent slender man that's one of the references yeah um and so he's like no this is fucked up yeah so he takes it off and then the subtle oh i've been looking through windows baby yeah <laughs> oh man, it's so good yeah. because he moves it and he's like two way glass, and then Dana is looking through it. Yeah, right at him. Yeah, like right at him, and yeah, it's he, sort of, he waves at her, and he's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. look!" And yeah. then she doesn't. He's like, "Oh." Well, because uh, initially he doesn't realize it's like two way right. glass. Right. Is that two way glass or one way glass? Two way mirror. Okay, two way yeah, mirror. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's like an interrogation room mirror. It is absolutely mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, "Oh, I should tell her," and then she starts to take off her shirt, and he's like, "But that could wait." Yeah, and it. But I love how they do it because, it, like, you can kind of see his like internal monologue, and he talks about it in a minute. But then yeah. he does not when she's like for real going to take her shirt off. He's oh, like, he yells, okay, "Hold cool. up, hold up." Yeah, hold on. Yeah, hold he on. starts banging on the wall. Hold in, hold in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real Mikey move, though. He's like really wrestling with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I think I think ultimately, Mikey, you do the right thing. Yeah, he, you can see him wrestle with it. I think he went on a little too far. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think he went too far. I don't think so either. I mean, and I think there's also an element of like, what the fuck is this kind yeah. of going on? Because that's I, the last thing you would expect. And ultimately, he did the right thing. I don't think he, he did anything wrong here. No, I yeah. don't think so either. But he did wrestle. I, I connected with his character a lot. Me too. Oh, yeah. I, I, would, I totally get that. Yeah, I think he's a good guy. But so now they're all five looking at it. And they're like, Kurt, what kind of cousin do you have? And he's like, no, this must have been there before. Right. And then they have a sweet moment where he offers to switch rooms with her and so they switch rooms and then she walks in and sees him taking yeah, we his get that shirt female off. gaze yeah. yeah and i liked that kind of it's like insinuating yeah like girls want to look too yeah and know? then she's like well, no, no 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 i'll put the painting back up and she was like oh my god this is a fucked up painting right and then she throws the blanket on top yeah. of it yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. as they're talking we mentioned that jules is pre-med and they kind of have a little awkward moment where they're like yeah they're trying to set us up <laughs> and she's like i'm not really into dating anybody right now but she kill he's like flirting uh-huh. and like being nice and then she mm-hmm. like destroys the conversation she yeah. does it's kind of awkward and this one's... I got the impression by her face before she left the room that she sort of regretted what she said she was like oh fuck why'd I say that right yeah. well, especially when left, she saw yeah. him take a shirt off well that was well <laughs> yeah was she didn't see that until after but you're right. right I think once she saw that she was like oh this is Definitely happening because he was like no pressure. They tried to set us up. Yeah, I'm I think cool. Holden's a good yeah. solid I think so too. dude. Yeah, and this is when he's even saying, "I had a little internal debate about whether I should yeah. tell you," and it's real cute, you know. Yeah, because they're good people. I do like that they say that Jules is pre med because that insinuates that she's smart, right? But because of the hair dye, we find out later it's been dumbing her down the whole movie, mm-hmm. which I found sort of funny and sort of problematic. Right, it's intentionally commenting yeah. I think on it that. is because she's yeah. supposed to be the dumb blonde, and right. she dyes her hair. 
hair blonde, and it's the blonde hair that makes her dumb. Right. Sort of funny. I think it's funny. So we pan out at this point, and we see that they're all on cameras. Like, we see the control room, and they're looking at all of them in their individual rooms. Right. But they're saying we're live, and they're talking about the levels. And this is when we find out that they put chemicals in her hair dye to not only make her dumber, but to increase her libido. Yeah, Lynn says that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so then we've got the Harbinger online, too. I love (laughs) this whole little bit was so This part was so funny. I think so, too. Because it really is Bradley Woodford taking the piss out of the Harbinger, like, Mm -hmm. trope. It's so funny. This was actually the first idea they had for this movie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, the genesis of all of this. I can see that, Because they were thinking, because the Harbinger is calling the assistants, like, he's real pushy. He's kind of freaking me out a little bit. He's creeping me out, yeah. And then they get him on the line. He says, the lambs have passed through the gate. You must cleanse them. And he's just saying all of this evil Harbinger stuff. (laughs) And then he's like, am I on speakerphone? I did love that so much. So funny. And then Bradley's like, no, oh, yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Let Let me me get you out. And then, and then he hits the it. table. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mikey style. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then he starts warning them and he's saying the ancient ones see everything and they will not be. And then before he starts to kind of finish that warning, because he's saying the fool almost derailed this. Like yeah. Marty almost fucked this up. So this is a little bit of Marty shadowing too. Right. Yeah. But that's when he realizes he's still on speakerphone. He's like, wait, am I still on speakerphone, guys? <laughs> and they all start giggling. Yeah. yeah. And they're well, the reason, the reason he asks if he's on speakerphone again is because he hears Citizen start to giggle mm. and then everyone starts to laugh I, I love that scene I so much and it's just Bradley Whitford is fucking amazing well he's great it's also really good writing so like Jasmine yeah, is very very good at writing Bradley Whitford just nails this scene he does man yeah. but I also think this is kind of showing the hubris of all of these people like this is like their day job and they're just kind of going through job. the motions yeah absolutely and because they're not taking his warning seriously right. that's how that's they're why they're doing the hard trope exactly well and that's the thing that's cool because he's also being the harbinger for them. Yes. He's warning them about what's going to happen. I think he's more horror bingy with them than he was with the Hemsworth clan. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. And it's just I lo- like the levels of this movie, I think, or once you start to dissect them, they're really deep. All yeah. right. Yeah, Mikey. Well, speaking of shallow and deep, now we're in a lake. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Uh, yeah, we do see Holden and Dana jump into the lake. Mm-hmm. She's got a red swimsuit, which is like a real risky move with a redhead. It is. I think she pulls it off. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Although it's she gonna- doesn't pull it off, it remains on. Yeah, it does. But yeah. <laughs> but I love this scene too because like you see Chris Hemsworth and his girlfriend come out mm-hmm. and they're just really funny and she's all like, Hey, I think I'm just gonna stay here because the water's cold. Because it's gross and, then, and there's probably leeches and murderous <laughs> crocodiles in yeah, there. Yeah, well at least leeches. And then Chris is like, What's that in the lake? Oh, no, it's right there. It's right there. Oh, it looks at like my girlfriend and shoves his girlfriend in. <laughs> I so love that. I thought it was so funny. Yeah. And then, and then he, he jumps in. He yeah. jumps in and he says, don't kill a gorgeous man. I'm endangered. Yeah. This was the first time I'd heard that line in the movie. It really? Was, yeah. I don't know why I missed it. Jen really <laughs> loves this movie for Chris Hemsworth specifically. <laughs> I do. He's great. Well, and I love that like he's funny too, you know? Yeah. He, I like, mean, and honestly. I think he is funny. And I know you don't love the Ghostbusters <laughs> movie that he was in. Mikey. I think he was the best part I of that movie. I think he's great in that mm, he and I think he has I mean even if he wasn't attractive I could see him being in movies just yeah. because he has great comedic timing he really does yeah. and when you can be that gorgeous and funny too yeah so that's why like I hate Chris yeah, Hemsworth you could tell in he was real life earlier yeah oh yeah he was a real <laughs> ugly duckling for sure and now that he's a swan he's yeah. nailing yeah. it yeah nailing it. oh yeah he uh, couldn't get by on just his looks like John Hammond 30 Rock yeah he is quite the gorgeous man alright so now we're cutting back to Hadley and Sitterson and they are taking bets and we're right. not exactly sure what 
they're betting on yet, but everybody, it's like an office pool and everybody's getting in on it. Maintenance always picks the same thing and the intern wants to pick the same thing as them, but they I have to split. The, I love the intern. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so funny, yeah. And it's one of those funny little moments that's just thrown in that just makes the movie. Yeah, and know? I don't think, I mean, that may be a reference to something else. I didn't get it if it was, but it's so. still really, really funny. It's mm-hmm. just like, this nerdy kind of weird dude is like, uh, I want to bet on this. And they're like, right. well, someone already has it. You have to split it with them. Oh, <laughs> well, what would you do? I really want this conversation to be over. Right. I love that line. And it just really makes this like a believable workplace yeah, comedy. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It very much puts Bradley Whitford and the other guy at like the top of the food chain yes. here at this uh-huh. company. Yeah. Yes. But still like, like liking, every, you know, likable. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. but the new guy isn't betting. And he's kind of almost looking like he's above it all. And he's like, this just seems really harsh. And so Lynn is talking about how this isn't an easy job and that the director doesn't care as long as the kids do as they're told. So we're starting to piece together what this is all about. Really related to this. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the metaphor, (laughs) because of your job, you guys have a dark sense of humor there. Yeah, I understand. Gallo's humor is real. And real big. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Drew Goddard. And who is Drew Goddard? He's the writer. One of the writers. One oh, of the writers. Okay. He and Joss Whedon. Yeah. Yeah. He is from Los Alamos, which apparently is a town where they make and test weapons. Oh, no and shit. so okay. he was like growing up with people whose day job is to go in and make these like killing machines and how like he was just commenting on like the gallows humor mm-hmm. and what it yeah. would take for that to be your day job, you know? Because you're just going about your everyday life and you go home and you like try to get pregnant and you know. Like, have beers yeah. with your coworker, you know? But you, then you go to work, and, like, these terrible things are part of your job. Yeah. Um, Mikey gets it. <laughs> <laughs> if you took everything as serious as it is, you would just not make it. Yeah, yeah you would just yeah. be a very sad person. But so the new guy is asking, is the so is it fixed? And so this is when they say, no, they have to make the choice of their own free will. We have to get them into the cellar. And we yeah. haven't seen this yet, but they're talking about they we rig it as much as we can but if they don't transgress, they don't get punished. Right. And so that's going to, and we still don't know what the fuck they're talking about because we haven't seen them go into the right. cellar yet. The moral compass of the movie, the security guard is like, well, I'm not going to bet. I don't want to be a part of that. Right. And then he sort of has been talking to Lynn, mm-hmm. who is, I think, sort of agreeing with him on some level. And then she's sort of explaining the gallows humor of it all. And then Bradley Whitford holds up his hand and she like bets. Uh, yeah. I love that scene. And then right after she bets, Bradley Whitford goes, let's get this party started. Yeah. And then that's when it cuts to Chris Hemsworth, who's pouring a beer out of the keg. Mm. And he says the same thing. Yeah. Let's yeah. get this party started because they're all dancing and they're playing. And there's a moment where like Bradley Whitford and Citizen are dancing to the music. That I they're love playing. that. It was so <laughs> funny. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite gifs too. Um, yeah. All right. So they're playing truth or dare. And Marty dares Dana to make out with the moose on the wall. Oh. And this is a moment that I like. They're like, that's a wolf. What's wrong it's with you? It's blatantly a wolf. Right. <laughs> that's one of the reasons I hated his character up to this point. I was like, why are you even fucking here? Right. You're the worst. Now, I will say I like his character more every time I watch the movie. Like, he's just a very caricature of a stoner. Yeah, and- I hate the stoner caricature. That's why I don't like him at all until he dies and comes back from the dead. Right, which, right. Which I realize he doesn't die, but it's 
character is completely different the back half of this movie than the mm-hmm. first half of this movie. So, like, he may as well be two different people. We just meet someone new after he gets dragged down to the end of the pit and gets stabbed. Right. Well, and he's so. grown on me a lot. So, like, yeah. the first time he did annoy me. Yeah, because it's just very, like, cartoonish yeah, in a he, lot right. of ways. It's, it's you know? like you're watching Shaggy. But he is two different people in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so she goes to make out with the wolf, and it's very, like, sexual and yeah, She puts weird. her tongue on the dead wolf's tongue. And it moves. Ooh, it it moves. But I was like, weirded out ugh. by that. It moved over here, too. Ew. Oh, yeah, dude. Because she's, like, hitting on it and, like, oh, you talking oh, yeah. to me? Oh, she's, she's like, floating yeah. with a wolf's head. There's a whole floating. scene. <laughs> it's really cute. You don't have to huff and puff. It's really cute. I'll let you come inside. It's, oh, I think it's funny. Oh, she said it. Mikey, she said it. Oh, man. Did you not realize what that was? No, I know. Oh, I know yeah, what she that does. is. It's the yeah. three little pigs, She's right? got two kids. How do you think I got them? <laughs> uh, no moose heads over here. No. This porridge is just right. Oh, that's Goldie Lock. <laughs> <laughs> Swinging a miss. <laughs> but it's so weird. And it I think is. everybody's kind of looking like, what the fuck? And this is the first time I think we start to see that she is acting out of character for herself. Yes. Yeah. Because they all know each other really well, yeah. you know? But I think Chris Hemsworth is sort of like on board for it. Oh, he is because I think he is kind of acting more yeah. like the jock, like, like alpha. meathead. Alpha yeah. male. Yeah. And they call comment on that in a minute. They, I think they actually literally say that. They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's also kind of being a dick. Like, it's Dana's term for truth or dare, and he's like, oh, you'll choose truth, and then you'll regret it when they ask you to talk about something you don't want Which to, and then you'll choose dare. Which is completely different than this character has been in the whole movie. It is. And then the cellar door blows open. Like, immediately right. after she says dare. Because mm-hmm. they, they go, Dana, truth or dare, and she goes, because Chris Hemsworth has gaslit her into saying dare, right. she says dare, and then immediately, poof, on the cellar door, like, pops open. Right. right. And what? then Chris says the dumbest thing any man has ever <laughs> spoken into a microphone. Well, it must have been the wind. And, and then Marty is yeah, yeah. like, what? Whoa, no. Make? And that's yeah. one of the things I love is that Marty calls that shit out. And he said, like, you said that at some point. I think it was this moment. You're like, what was. the fuck? Yeah. The wind? And he says that. Like, yeah. he's kind of the conduit of the audience, I think, a right. little bit. But so now, of course, they dare Jules to go down into the cellar. And I, they must have dared her not to turn the flashlight off until she got downstairs. Yeah, because you know, yeah, the yeah. flashlight was off until she was balls deep into the cellar. Mm. Like, she was all the way in there. Some people like to go in there with the lights <laughs> on. <laughs> Mikey, it's I'm a... T- it's a tender dare. I'm a Ew. very visual creature. I want to see what's going on. Well, you got to get all the way in there before you start. All cellars look the same with the lights off, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like one of us is not talking about cellars. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, so she goes down there and she finally turns the lights on. Yeah, well, and no, she's, she's like, still looking with her flashlight. Well, yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. Sorry, yeah, the yeah. flashlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she's looking with her flashlight, and we're seeing like glimpses of super creepy shit. Like yeah. we see, um, like a creepy piano, and then we see some doll masks and some pictures of a family. It's just horror movie creepy stuff. It is, and it's like any horror fan would go down there, and it's just like a fun house of all of these like mentions or nods to things yeah it's like it's got everything it's got the music box the pleasure box from hellraiser it's Mm -hmm. got everything down there and if you buy this dvd there's a special feature where they talk about a lot of the stuff that's in this room because there's a lot of stuff we don't see sure yeah and it's so cool but she gets scared by a little girl's picture on the wall yes and then everyone else comes downstairs yeah Yeah. right right and so they're starting to kind of look around and kurt's saying this had to have been the person that installed that weird mirror like my cousin wouldn't have 
have done this. Yeah. And so they start to pick up the objects and Kurt picks up a conch shell and he's about to blow on it. But then he picks up a puzzle box, which is a nod to Hellraiser. Yes. It's like a circular puzzle box. It is. Yeah. 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 Um, And then Jules sees an old timey necklace. Marty is looking at film. Holden is having has a music box. And Dana has a book. And so they're all looking at these and the the tension and the music is mounting. But Marty keeps saying like, hey, guys, I don't think this is awesome to be down here. I think we should go back upstairs. I dare everyone to go upstairs. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't work. Um, But so as they are all putting the like seconds away from putting whatever from activating whatever this is, Dana says, hey, guys, I found a book. And so they all put their stuff down. So this is now them making the choice. Right. And what we're going to find out is all of those different things that they had in their hands would have activated a different scenario. Yeah. If you haven't seen this movie, we're going to spoil the fuck out of it. So just if you don't know what we're talking about now, watch the movie. Jen, yeah. what a hundred episodes. <laughs> they know, if you've never listened deal. to the podcast <laughs> That's before. That's true. Yeah. So Dana starts reading the book and it's from the diary of Anna Patience Buckner. It's like this fundamentalist torture family. But it's real disturbing. They're talking yeah. about the mom like like cutting her stomach open and putting hot coals in it and like what, taking someone into the black room to like find the glory of pain and, yeah mm. it's very hellraiser ish yes and yeah. talking about cutting the flesh makes him have a husband's bulge yeah yeah but it's hellraiser like from like the 19th century 19th or something century. sure and yeah. it's also much better written right no. <laughs> yeah um, but but so she's reading this diary and then she finds Latin. And because Marty's seen Evil Dead, he says, hold on, don't read the fucking Latin. Yes, don't so do it. Funny. But then we hear a voice saying, read it. And Marty looks around like, what the fuck? Right. (laughs) No one else heard about it. Right. So she does read it out loud. And as she reads it, we see heads starting to rise up from the ground. And it's going to be what we find out is the Buckners, who are the zombie redneck torture family. (laughs) I do love that when they cut back to like who won the bet. Uh huh. Someone had zombie but didn't win because it was <laughs> right. actually zombie torture redneck family. Exactly. It's a, it's similar, but it's a different thing. So like in that scene, you see them like, okay guys, the winner was zombie right. redneck torture family. Mm-hmm. So maintenance wins it. And the intern goes, yay. It's really that. funny. It so funny. <laughs> and there's a running joke where Buckner wants the merman to win. Hadley. Hadley. Bradley Whitford. Yeah. He wanted the merman to win and they have this yeah. sad little moment where like, I wish it was a merman. He had the conch in his hand. I he know. Was it was he was so, so close. close. I love Sanderson that. was like, no, no, no. Those things are terrible. Yeah, you don't want that. Um, but so they're talking about what this is. And so he's, because the, the new guy is like, so this is like nightmares, right? And Lynn is, so Lynn's kind of explaining to him a little bit. He says, it's what nightmares come from. And everything in the stable is reminiscent of the old world, which I think is like referencing old horror stories and like yeah. the folklore that we pull from. And that you get used to it. And the new guy is asking, should you get used to it? This is a sacrifice. And is that okay? Is a society that's based on this okay? You know? I do like that they show other cultures uh-huh. and like what scares them, um, specifically with Kyoto and mm-hmm. Japan. Yeah, I loved that. And this is when we see those because they're saying the Buckners have a 100% clearance rate. Um, and then they show, um, they're, <laughs> they're saying, should we call Japan and tell them to take the night off? And what we see on the Kyoto screen is like <laughs> basically the ring. Right. In a classroom, you know, it's like a ghosty type ring. Yeah, Yeah, but I do think that's interesting because this is a very American kind of story. Oh, yeah. This is a typical slasher story. 
Yeah. So now we're back at the cabin, and Jules is just dancing all over the place. Oh, like, yeah. very She's like stripper dancing. Yeah, yeah. She is putting it out there that she wants to get it. And everybody else is just kind of staring at her. Like, dude, Chris Hemsworth is super into it. He is. Even when she is like really being sexual with Holden McNeely mm-hmm. or whatever his name Marty. is. And then Marty. And then Marty, yeah. Yeah, like she's all over Wait, everybody. So like, Mar- oh, yeah. Marty and I were uh, dorm freshman sweethearts. Right. He's like, we made out once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, we stayed close. But like, Chris Hemsworth is like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and so Marty's starting to think something is up because Chris Hemsworth is also being a dick to Holden and well, calling him like him an, an egghead, egghead or whatever. Yeah. Right. And this is when they say he's being really like an alpha male. And Dana's saying, well, they're just drunk. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. I've seen them drunk. Yeah, we've seen them drunk. We yeah. know what they're like he's when like, they're drunk. He's a Dean's List sociology major. Exactly. He's on a full ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, right. on a, he's on an academic scholarship, not a right. sports scholarship. Well, and Holden is on the football team, too. Like, yeah. he's not, like, the egghead, you know? So it's just interesting that they're starting to notice this. But Dana's like, Marty, you're just really fucking high. But he says puppeteers. And then he says Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Do you have Pop-Tarts? Which is cute. Is it? Like, that made no sense. You're like, what are you talking about? I think he's just really stupid. Because Marty's supposed to be the guy who, like, knows what's going on and Mm -hmm. is not out of his mind, but he's clearly super high and out of his mind. Right. And also, I've never seen someone get really high and then lose all cognitive function and think that someone who said Puppet Master said Pop-Tarts. Oh, you've never seen... I've seen that. Yeah, Uh you get real, like, I've never seen someone who was... (laughs) Oh, sure, but not someone who misunderstood a word so badly (laughs) that you should have your brain checked for, like, a concussion. No, I think you just got the munchies. I think it's just poor writing. (laughs) I I just... I hate that trope. I much prefer Marty when he plays the different character. Yeah, it's just a little thick. Sober Marty. Yeah, Sober <laughs> Marty's Marty. much better than Pothead <laughs> Marty. <laughs> um, all right, so now Dana and Holden are like hitting on each other while reading the torture book. Yeah, <laughs> they're having this like come together over the torture book. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, I think I'm super into you. They're like, listen to this journal. Yeah, it's really creepy. But it's cute. Like, they're, yeah, I like, think they would hook up. Like 50 you know? Shades of Flirting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the Black Room of Pain. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, sometimes they can be fun. Well, so now Jules and Kurt are going out into the woods to make out. I don't out. have enough sex to specialize. Well, when you get there, Mikey, enjoy it. Because <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Write some fanfic. Um, so now Jules and Kurt <laughs> Jules and Kurt are going out into the woods and right. they're making out. Yeah, and she's kind of being a little, she doesn't really want to do it there. She's saying, I'm chilly. And we cut to the control room and all the men are just standing there staring with their jaws on the floor. I loved that <laughs> moment. It was so <laughs> So funny. Because it's it just really such a comment funny. on like what we want from these movies. Well, it, like yeah. the male gaze. It's like it, 100% it's the yep. male gaze. And it's like the perfect shot because there are no women in it. Mm-hmm. And it's just them staring like jaws on the floor uh-huh. like <sighs> with anticipation. <laughs> Patient, right? It's and, amazing. And then she says she's chilly. Yeah. And they all go, and they say, back to work, back to work. Your base desires disgust me. Yeah, your I basic love, human needs disgust I me. I love Bradley that Whitford. Really they immediately so turn good. the temperature up of that sector. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> they and they're, do. They're pumping pheromones into the yeah. mist. Right. Yeah, but they do turn the temperature up. They do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and they're creating a little sex moss zone because she's like, I don't want to do this outside. This is weird. And he's saying it's romantic. This is why we did it. And then he turns the lights up to almost like have this little little moss bed. Well, And they both see it at the same time. Man, 
having sex outdoors on the ground sucks. Yeah. You get twigs in weird places, Mikey. Twigs? You got to be real drunk to do it because then yeah. you don't notice, you know? I mean, not that I would know. All right, so now they're hooking up and they're waiting for her to take her shirt off and they're watching. And this is a little bit different from when all the men were just staring because they're watching really intently. Well, because it's just Bradley Whitford and the other guy. Right, but new guy pops his head and he's like, Ur. oh, I missed that. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's yeah. Funny. He just kind of like slid into the corner, <laughs> you know? Nice. Yeah, and but he's like, why are you watching this? And they're like, you understand the stakes, right? We're not the only ones watching. Yeah. Because this nudity is important to the story. But so they're starting to hook up. And so she does take her shirt off. And as soon as she does, Bradley <laughs> Whitford says score. Yes. But he doesn't say it like he's excited. No, he says he doesn't. it like checking the box yeah, off. It yeah. does feel very like transactional. Right, exactly. Yeah. Which is interesting. Well, I think as a writer or director, if we're looking at them and they're that metaphor, right? I don't think he really sees it sexually. He sees it as he has to hit these marks right because if he doesn't the studio the, or Sigourney Weaver's right. not going to be happy and right. then the ancients aren't going to be happy exactly the that's audience. why I was like finally because that's what the audience quote unquote <laughs> wants exactly right? yeah 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and it is a commentary on the obligatory nudity in the films right yeah. and honestly like I don't think a lot of films like this had that at this point because like think about it Scream doesn't have it no it doesn't um, I haven't seen I Know What You Did Last Summer but I'd be surprised if it did no it's but a lot right? of movies of that time and the early 2000s leading up to this did a lot of a lot, a lot of movies of the in the eighties did. did yeah that's something that became kind of a trope through the eighties with a lot right. of the slashers that we're gonna be watching like sequels to a lot of things yeah you know? sure but so she does um, and then as they are hooking up like we see her hand. And it's kind of creeping off for some moss to grab onto. And then it gets stabbed through with a giant, like half of a shear. I don't know what a shear is, but it's like, it looks it's like, like half of a knife. Scissors like those and scissors. Like, oh, it's shit. only yeah, one it side of it. It sort of look like that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. So now we see the zombie redneck torture family. And they're right. all around. And Kurt's fighting them. And he gets stabbed in the shoulder with like the other half of the shear. Does he something. get stabbed in the shoulder? Because that wound never causes yeah. him any trouble. And if you yeah. look in later scenes, that wound... Like, he got stabbed through his shirt, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look later in the movie, that that's not there. Mm-hmm. Like, you never see that. I know, Todd. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but, so we also see somebody <laughs> with a big bear trap on a chain. And Is it, it a bear trap? Well, I think this it's bothered me a bear trap. so much. It and then did. after you brought it up, it bothered me. It did not oh, bother yeah? me. Did you come to my side of it? Yeah, because yeah. I thought it was a whole bear trap. And that's what he was grabbing onto people with, but it wasn't. No, it was stupid because you can't throw a bear trap like that and have it stick to something somebody and then drag them by it i could see him throwing it at him and then it hitting them yeah. and hurting them but you would not be able to drag them by it like it closed the bear trap right. on them yeah i don't know if this would actually work but i think it implies that it stabs and then they use it's inside and they use the momentum to drag her back because they get jewels on the back with the bear trap and they drag her back to them and then they're like holding on to her and they've got this giant old gross saw and they cut her head off. Yeah, so I understand what you're saying about the bear trap thing, but if you threw a knife at somebody and then pulled the knife, mm-hmm. the knife would just come out of the wound. It depends on what angle you pull the knife from. I though. mean, so yeah, but they pull... use this like it's a fucking magnet. Like they do, they pull yeah. people around yeah. with it. It's insane. I think it's kind of I think cool, I would have gave it like more of a pass if they didn't use that so much. That is <laughs> that guy's. Shtick. That's his thing. That's like yeah. his thing. Yeah. yeah so it's like 
real dumb. Like, <laughs> I don't care because it's a comedy and it's all funny and they're sort of making fun of stupid shit like mm, that. Like crazy weapons. Yeah, so mm. I'm on board for it. I'm not I don't, I'm not saying it took me out of the movie or I didn't like it. Yeah. It's just like, you can do better than that, Jess. <laughs> oh, no, I liked it. All right, so they cut Jules's head off. With a saw. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, it's it's really sad. And and so as they pull back, we see Brad, Bradley Whitford watching and they are not happy about it. No. But they're saying, and they say, I think I, I tried to get these words right. This we offer in humility and fear for the blessed peace of your slumber. And then they pull a lever and we see the lion's gate gears from the beginning starting yes. to turn and like blood pouring into like an outline on stone or something. I did like that they included their production company's gears <laughs> into the actual movie because that shows like the metaphor even more. I, I thought that was very cool. Right. Well, and I think like if you're looking at them as the directors of the movie or like the writers, like yeah, absolutely. they're not celebrating that she's dead. It's again, they're checking the box off. And I think if you were like writing these characters, you would still care that this character died but know that you have to kill her you know yeah because it's part of the deal exactly yeah yeah and so now we're back at the cabin and marty is reading nemo and he hears a voice and so this is when <laughs> he starts to get really paranoid <laughs> i love that because he's like i'm not gonna do what you tell me right this is dumb i'm the boss of me mm -hmm. and well, then he I does i'm gonna go for a walk yeah, he just does exactly <laughs> what they say right. yeah it's so funny well, and then this is maybe one of my favorite parts, because as he's walking by, Holden and Dana are kissing and Marty just walks by and he's like, he's got a husband's bulge. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I get it. Whenever I'm kissing my hot redhead, I got a husband's bulge, too. <laughs> All right. So now Marty goes outside and he says, I thought there'd be stars. Which I just like. I think well, that's a sweet thing. But that just shows that they're inside the Truman show. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, new guy. I think his name is Truman. The one, the moral compass guy. I think his name, yeah, his name is Truman. Is it? Yeah, as a no reference shit. to the Truman oh, okay. show. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so Marty's outside. And we see um, Patience Bruckner, like a, like a creepy zombie girl. And we don't really know who she is yet. But she's creeping up behind him. And he's peeing outside. And you guys marveled at how you don't use that ability enough. No, I said, isn't it great that we can pee wherever we want Mikey and then you got upset with us because you can't <laughs> pee wherever you want although yeah. listen I mean I could yeah you 100% society can. tells me yeah I would like to pee outside whenever I want you can't you're not allowed to it's like not good for society or whatever and it's also men aren't allowed to pee outside whenever that's they true. want yeah. about. no that's what I'm, I'm saying if you like I could go out in your front yard and pee but like people look down upon it but <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that the real problem with society so we see um, the baby Bruckner kind of or Buckner walking up behind him. But before she can get there, Kurt runs up and says, hey, the zombie family is following or is chasing me. And Kurt is Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth. He yeah. says run. He run, literally run, run. just runs over and says run. Yeah. yeah. And then he runs over her and she but she sees or Marty sees the zombie. So they both run inside. Yeah. Which I like that he sees him because oh, we do. don't have to deal with that scene where they're like, exactly. Oh, whatever, man. No one believes you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, what did you do to Jules? Exactly. Because he's saying Jules is dead, and then Dana is wanting to go look for her, and she opens the door, and like you were saying, like the big zombie father is like right there, so we don't have to deal with it. Is this real thing? Yeah, and um, then has her head. Yeah, and, and throws her it. head in the cabin. And right. I also love that because now, I mean, I don't love it, but I mean, we don't have to deal with convincing her not to go find Jules. Yeah, there too. is none of that. Yeah. They don't just throw the head into the cabin; they throw it into her friend's. Oh arm. yeah. She catches uh, it. I would not have caught it. it. Yeah. I would have dodged. Listen, if someone throws your head in my direction, I'm pushing someone else in front of it. Ooh. Yeah, I'm not going to grab it. I don't care how badly someone wants to give me head. 
I'm going to dodge it. <laughs> so they struggle. They finally get the door closed on the zombies. Yes. Um, and Dana figures out who it is, that it's the Buckner family. Well, because the she's the one that read the book. Like, exactly. she's the one that would know. And they were saying, like, she only had one arm. And so she's putting it together. Um, and so now Kurt is saying, okay, we've got to barricade the doors. We've got to stay together. And be completely safe. Yeah, yeah, we gotta, yeah. We gotta yeah. play it safe and stay together. And exactly. I love when it cuts back to Bradley Whitford and the other mm-hmm. guy, and they're like, damn it. And right. then he, like Bradley Whitford goes, give me one second. And then they gas him. They do, yeah. And yeah. as he's walking by a vent, he's breathing this gas in, and he says, no, 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 hold on. I think we should split up. We'll, yeah, cover, we'll cover more, more ground. ground that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, Dr. Avery says, that's a great idea. And I love Marty's like, is it? He's like, it's not a good idea. <laughs> and then he goes, everyone go to your rooms. Right, right. Like he's a parent like disciplining his children. Mm-hmm. And then they all run to their rooms and get locked in their rooms. And then everyone does the dumbest shit they could think to do. But it explains why they're doing that by... Gas. Yeah, I, yeah, which I like. Right. I like that they sort of explain away all the dumb choices they make. Right. Well, yeah. and I think it's commenting on how like formulaic some of these slashers are. Is like, okay, well, this is the time where they don't stay together, and like all of the things that we would say to the movie, like, why would you split up? Is what Marty's saying. You know, yeah. he's like, these are dumb decisions. You're gonna die. Once well, so Marty gets to his room and he accidentally knocks a lamp over and he sees the camera. Yeah, it's like a pinhole camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. And he's like, oh shit, I'm on a reality. TV show and you said because he's just got his back to the window yeah because he's real stupid well but I mean if you think you're if you think it's not real anymore like his, you think uh, Ashton Kutcher is gonna pop out of the woodwork and be like oh you got exactly punked? well I mean this is around the punked time I know sci-fi had a show just like that scared Oh, yeah. Scared straight? I think it was Shannon Doherty. Yeah. They just would scare people. With like horror movie stuff. Like they would get like a little girl. Oh, my God. You would hate it. Oh, my God. If you ever do that to me, (laughs) I'm breaking up with you guys. Like they would literally go to people's jobs and like wire it all to be haunted. Like, okay, we just want you to spend the night tonight. You'll do the night shift tonight. Oh, my God. No. Like a ghost will show up. Mm. Oh, no. And then after somebody has a heart attack, then in the hospital, they reveal. I think someone did have a heart attack. And that's why they canceled. Yeah. It was good. scary. Yeah. yeah. One was like a camper one and like Bigfoot was attacking the camper. <laughs> oh my God, I'd lose my shit. Yeah. yeah. Like you would have to bring me extra pants and boxers. People <laughs> were freaked on yeah. that show. Yeah. Fuck that. That show is good. Oh, I'm out. Yeah. But anyway, his back's against the window. He's like, oh no, my parents are going to think I'm such a stoner. Yeah, burnout. Or burnout yeah. or whatever. And then he gets grabbed. Yeah, he from, gets because, got. Because once he sees the camera, Hadley and Sitterson, or Hadley runs over and tries to like call in for some Thorazine. And Sitterson's like, now hold on, the other zombie's coming up. So yeah. we see him walking up to the window. So we know this is going to happen. Yeah, too. absolutely. Yeah. It's not a jump scare. Well, and so he grabs Marty and pulls him out the window and is fighting him. And he's dragging him through the leaves. And I, this was really sad. When he's like, like yelling, help, help me. me. Yeah. yeah. And this is another time he, he gets stabbed in the back, too, because yeah. as he's running away, he throws the half the, of the, the sheer, sheer or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it hits him in the back. And then later in the movie, it's revealed that he doesn't die. And then right. that wound is gone. Yeah. So is the hole in his shirt. Mm. But I mean, again, I don't need it to be <laughs> right. there because I don't really care. It's just a silly comedy. But uh-huh. like, it's real sort of like, really? <laughs> Didn't well, even try? And- well, that's kind of a hard trope. I could sort of see it being played off that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he, you're right. He is getting dragged away and he's like grabbing these leaves trying yeah. to get some distance away. Yeah. And he just can't. And he's like begging for help. And then he gets pulled down into what, like, what looks like a hole and you see blood scored up. Right. And you assume that it's him getting killed but, but we find we, out later it's not but we don't see him getting killed right and so as they pull the lever for him 
his blood, all the stuff starts to go through the little outline. And then the ground shakes and it starts to rumble. Right. And that's because the ancient ones, because he died off screen, that's like a horror trope that audiences don't like oh, yeah. lots oh, of times. Too. I thought it was because he didn't die and that blood was the zombie's blood and it didn't, it didn't appease fulfill the, the requirement or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, yeah. your reading of it, I think, works too. But Right, yeah. right. Because that is a hard, like if you don't see someone die off screen, they're, you know they're going to come back at this point. Right. You know? And he will. Spoiler. Yeah. All right. But so Dana is getting attacked in her room. And luckily they found out about that two-way glass because Holden busts through the glass, drags her out and saves her. Yes. And so then through the commotion, they find another cellar door in their room. It's because they're putting the bed against the window so the zombie can't come through his window. Right. And they see the black room of pain. Yeah. 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 And it's got a bunch of torture (laughs) devices in it. Yeah, it does. Lady. You want to see my torture device? No. It's my mind. Oh wow! Ah! It's been torturing us for a hundred episodes. <laughs> they do say your mind is your biggest sexual organ. That'd be true, except my dick is huge. <laughs> oh my god, Mikey! Can I please leave that in? Yeah, oh my god, I love it, Jen. Didn't you love that joke? No, Jen is shaking her head emoji right Wrap now. Wrap it up, boys! <laughs> oh my god, that was amazing. I've peaked. <laughs> So, Holden gets caught by the bear trap chain. Is, yes. but and this upwards. is when it's redi- a little bit ridiculous. Well, because- yeah, because they're in, the, they're down in the room, and right. he's, like, pulling him up by this chain that would have just mm-hmm. fallen out of his back. Right, right. But Dana stabs him with one, and it doesn't kill him because he's a zombie and he doesn't die. Right. And then she grabs another knife that's conveniently there on the torture table and just stabs him a whole bunch of times. Right. And then kills him, and then, well, not kills him. Undead kills him. I, mean, I think th- he's dead. No, well, he comes I mean, back later. She, that's the yeah. one who's like throwing her around the dock. Oh, yeah. But it, yeah. like, it puts him out of commission for 20 right. minutes he's or so. Undead. Yeah. So he's got a 20-minute refractory period. He's got to go get a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> and so in the control room, they're saying, um, remember when you could just throw a girl in a volcano? And then they do a little shock. And I love that. And I didn't notice that until this time. They shock really? her. And yeah. I like this part. I, I love too. this part. Yeah. And that's when she drops the knife. Because it explains why everyone drops knives and stuff like that when they are in these movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're running outside and they're getting to the RV. So they get into the Rambler and they're driving away. Yeah. And it, right now it's just Dana, Holden, and. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But in the control room, we're seeing footage of the Japanese um, experiment. <laughs> and the girls have all conquered oh, the ghosts. And, and they're like in a circle. And they're holding hands. They're singing uh-huh. this friendship Japanese song. friendship yeah. song. Yeah. And then it turns the ghost into a happy frog uh-huh. or whatever. Like, ah. I love and this. And Citizen goes up and is like, fuck you. I like screaming at these so kids. Much. It's it was really so funny. funny. But yeah, anyway. And then they realize that they're leaving in the Rambler and that they have not blown up up right. the tunnel. And they're also noticing, noting at this point that Marty's pot was, they had treated his pot and it wasn't messing him up enough and that's like, because he was using some of his own stash and that's why he was able to see some of this stuff. Yes. Because uh. he hadn't had the effects of the drugs. But yeah, so now they're running and they've got to try to run up to electrical to try to get this tunnel caved in because it was supposed to have already happened. And so they're driving into the tunnel. As they're doing it, that's when Sitterson like runs down to our electrical and he's like trying to hotwire you see him explosion. literally put two hot, like wires together and then right. it explodes. Yeah. And it explodes just before the van or the RV and so they're backing it up. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth sticks his head out the window Yeah, because at one he has point. to drive it backwards right. and you can't really see. So, it's like yeah. hereditary. Oh, yeah, you got to watch out for that. Right. But so they get out and the can but the canyon um has collapsed. 
Right. So now they're looking at this canyon. They're saying they don't, and they're seeing how far down it is. And the outside is just right over there, but they don't have any climbing gear. And so Chris Hemsworth says, okay, we got to jump it. So he gets his dirt bike that was conveniently on the back of the RV. And he Captain Robbie Knievels. Yeah. It's so dumb. (laughs) But so he's like saying all this like hero movie stuff. Like I'm going to come back with cops and choppers and And big guns. And we're going to get them to pay for what they did to us. Right. And Avery's like, you got to give it all you got now. For Jules. For Jules, yeah. And it's very like cliche dialogue compared to what we've seen in the earlier scenes where they were like real people you know um and so he jumps and as he's in midair he hits the force field <laughs> yeah and just tumbles graphically down. rolls down the force it's field. awesome ever yeah. yeah now had you guys remembered that the force field was there yeah. yeah because that's what they were kind of banking on you not remember that's why i was like there's no way he's gonna make this right yeah yeah, yeah. so he dies that's real sad and this is when Dave it's look- only real sad because it's a thirsty gen movie up to this point right know, and the rest man. of this movie is just a regular horror comedy for you. <laughs> now i do i mean I am thirsty for some uh, Dr. Avery and Bradley Whitford. I mean, I listen, I get it. Bradley Whitford can get it. Uh He is hilarious. Even Silver Fox Bradley Whitford. And I love that he does horror too. I'm in the bag for Bradley Whitford. Would you be on the Lemon Lyman fan page? Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Would he be starring in your movie, The Turning? LemonLyman.com, maybe. (laughs) Mikey, maybe. Yeah. Man, I would love to interview Bradley Whitford. Oh my too. god, oh, I'd lose so my mind. Much fun. So then he jumps, and so they see the force field now. So yes. she's like, "Okay, Marty was right. There are the puppeteers. Yeah, puppeteers, yeah, yeah." yeah. And so they're going to the van, and Holden is driving, and he's going to drive them back the other way. Right. And his plan is to drive back to the cabin and go past it, and just try to keep going as far as he can. Just keep driving until right. we figure out what to do. If we run out of gas, we'll just start walking. Right, yeah. and it actually is a good plan. It's not know? a bad plan. No, it's not the worst plan I've ever heard. The only bad plan they did was not check the back of the Rambler before yeah. they started driving away again. Mm-hmm. Well, because he's been there the whole time, apparently. Yeah. Because there's a bloody hand when, there they, is when they all three when get they in. get in. Yeah, so yeah. he hid in the bathroom. So they're driving. But as they're driving, he's saying more of this cheesy dialogue. And then he gets stabbed through the back of the throat. Yeah, it's pretty gross. I know. It is really gross and sad. Too. And then they drive into the lake. They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Rambler goes in and Dana gets out. But one of the zombies, I think, stays down in there. So she swam all the way up to the top. And I love this cut because as she is swimming to the top of the water, they are pulling a beer out of the ice cooler (laughs) too because they're celebrating they're like done yeah and so and they're partying and we hear the party music yeah and the guards like the new guy uh truman is like he's like why are you she's still alive and he's like oh the the virgin doesn't have to die it's optional yeah Yeah. especially if she's last yeah yeah yeah. the main thing is that she suffers and that is a final girl trope is that she has to witness the suffering of all of her friends even though she survives yeah and so (laughs) and i love this speech of bradley whitford because he's talking about how like He's really pulling for her, and she's special. And then tequila is my lady. Yeah, I love that. Right. And <laughs> yeah. it's just ama- how amazing Bradley Whitford is, because he can pull this shit off. He really you know? can. And none of it really sounds cheesy when he says it. Right, but in the hands of another actor, I don't yeah. think it would work, you know. And that's the thing about Joss Whedon. Perfectly cast, this guy. Oh, yeah. man. So yeah. good. All right, so they're all partying. And as they are, Dana climbs up on the dock. I did sort of love this, because on the monitors behind them at the party scene, we're seeing Dana really get the shit kicked out mm-hmm. of her. 
over yes. by the bear trap swinging zombie guy. Right. But the music is playing and they're all having their awkward work party mixer. You know? <laughs> I really did love that because it seemed like it was like a rap party. Uh-huh. And they, they were talking to Bradley Whitford like he was the writer director. And he was like, I don't know, man. It's sort of a team effort. And it was right. like, like, mm-hmm. He's like downplaying what his job is. Right. I sort of loved that. They yeah. were like, I just wish I could do what you do. My yeah. favorite part was the dorky guy hitting on like the model looking. And oh, she's yeah. like, I just happen to have two tickets to, to your, your favorite, favorite ballet. ballet. And she oh. just like walks off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and uh, the intern, like they're having Been this conversation there. about overtime and the intern's like, I'm an intern. So <laughs> like, just we like know intern. stomping all over the conversation. Yeah. Interns yeah. are like that too. But so as they're having this party, we see on the monitors, Dana's getting the shit beat out of her yeah. by this guy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's insane. And Sitterson starts talking to maintenance and he's saying it wasn't our fault that the thing didn't blow up. Um, there was a power or a glitch and a power reroute from upstairs. And that's when the red phone of doom starts ringing. Right. And Bradley makes him turn the music off and he goes and answers it. And he's we find out there's someone still alive. Yeah. And so back on the dock, Dana is about to get killed and he's swinging the bear trap around and then it catches on Marty's gigantic bong that he still has. Yeah. And so Marty saves the day. Well, Dana grabs a board and hits him with it, too. Yeah. He just stops her from getting killed by the bear trap thing. Right. She takes matters in her own hands and knocks him into the water. Because she's awesome, too. Yeah, Yeah. she's great. But Marty's still alive and I was so happy. And he does look very different at this point. Yeah, he plays a completely different character at this Mm -hmm. point. He's sober Marty. Right. Um, and so they're going back to the cabin right next to it, the hole that Marty was in. And I think it was supposed to be the graves that they maybe yes. came out of because that's I where the that elevator too. was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so they get down in the hole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, and he's like, I had to dismember that guy with a trowel. What are you up to? <laughs> yeah. How are you doing? Yeah. But yeah. this is when they have that moment of um, like they all everybody else is dead. Right? Yeah. And he's you like, can, you're the only one that's left. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I love it because they're like you can see that they're sad about that. Yeah. I mean, their know? friends are dead. I mean, exactly. they should be sad about yeah, they that. They should definitely be sad. Yeah. One hundred percent. But I think it shows they're not just stock characters. You sure. know, They're more than yeah. that. And they're breaking out of the stock character tropes by going into the what will be an elevator. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So he's talking about this elevator and. He says, there are no controls inside, but I think I can get it to go down. And Dana says, do we want it to go down? Which and I he love. was like, of course, we always yeah, want that. Uh, <laughs> that's not what he said. Oh, that's my bad. My bad. Said. my bad. But he also says, fucking zombie arm, because the zombie tries to grab him. That's funny. But that zombie arm saves his life. It, it falls does. in the elevator Absolutely. with him. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and so they go down. And th- so they're in an elevator, and it starts to go down. And we see glass on both sides and kind of like stone. And then it just stops, and there's no nothing uh, and then it is a werewolf jump scare that scared the shit out of Todd so much and this is really the only jump scare in this movie but it was effective you yeah know? it was it got very you. effective for sure but there's glass so the werewolf can't get to them right uh, ectoglass this whole thing was very 13 ghosts to me because we see a shitload of like monsters and stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah I, which I liked I thought it was interesting I did too yeah. I think it's also referencing the movie Cube oh, okay and yeah. we also see pretty much Cora Responding monsters to the things they found in the basement. Yes, right? yeah, yeah. And she's starting to put that together she well, is. when she sees the Hellraiser ripoff yes. game. Mm-hmm. Who, that has, who has much razor cooler than Pinhead? In his yeah, skull. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, it looks yeah. much cooler than Pinhead. Ooh, hot take. Watch it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm it sorry. is cool. The yeah, only thing awesome. I like about the movie is Pinhead's look. <laughs> 
What, oh, Hellraiser? Hellraiser? Yeah. I mean, I, well, that's I'm, one more thing than I liked. I'm into oh. both of them. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good burn. <laughs> but so they start to move, and every time they yes. move, another monster will come up. Right. And so first it's a ghost, and then we see in another cell, like, Marty sees a ballerina, and she turns around, oh. and her face is just oh, like this big that. circle mouth. And then we see Pinhead, and he's playing with the box. And it's that's, not Pinhead. It's Sawhead, it's, but yeah. It's Sawhead. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, and so Dana's saying they made, so yeah. she's putting it together, and she's saying they made us choose. Right. And then, and she starts, like, rage she starts, attacking the glass. Yeah, rage attacking the glass, trying to break it to get killed, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so this is when they pan out, and we see... All of the cubes. Yes. And if you watch that video that I'm going to link on YouTube, he shows each one of them and notes what they all are. It's really cool. Man, I love that some people have so much free time <laughs> they can do that because that's shit I'll watch for 10 minutes. Uh-huh. But I would never take the hours and hours and hours to do the research that I'm sure he had to do. Oh, I know. Or whoever it was. Yeah. So, like, I appreciate so cool. those people online because they're doing all that shit work for free. I know. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah make sure you watch that video. It's really Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. And support content creators. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, so now back in the control room, they're trying to find them because now they're off their monitor grid. And they're saying the pod is immunizing him. And they say if he outlives her, the whole thing is toast. Right. Yeah, and so Dana and Marty are in an elevator. And they open the elevator, and they were, like, just hugging each other. But it just so turns out that Dana is right in front of Marty. So he's not using her as a human shield, but the guy can't shoot Marty because she's in front of him. And so then Zombie Arm distracts him, and they knock him down, and they get the the gun away from him. And I love as he's running out, he's like, good work, Zombie Arm. Yeah, and then the Zombie Arm kind of creeps over and, like, grabs the dude's face. Yeah, Cousin It style, the thing from Adam's family. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and so now they, they have... Have the gun and they're in the elevator room and they hear a voice a voice that sounds familiar and but so she's saying you shouldn't be here and this should have ended more quickly and what's happening to you is part of something bigger and older and you've seen an army of nightmare creatures but it's nothing compared to what came before and it's your job to placate them and she says forgive us and let us get over with it and so they're like well fuck that and so they go into the control room of the elevator as they're in there we see a bunch of like army commando style Right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they're coming up, and they're, like, pointing all their guns at the control room, and Dana's, like, searching around on I mean, the they're shooting center. at the control room. Oh, it just right. happens yeah, yeah. to be bulletproof. Right. But, yeah, I mean, they're hiding and ducking down below. Mm-hmm. I have one question about this control room. Mm-hmm. Why <laughs> does it have a button that will launch all of the monsters <laughs> into this area? That was my question, too. Yeah. Like, that is the dumbest thing. And so this is my favorite part of the movie. The elevators? Yeah, oh, hell yeah, They man. were commenting it's on it. It's awesome. They push the purge all. We hear a ding, and then it's just monsters all over the place, yeah. like immediately ripping the shit out of these guys. Yeah, it's cool seeing an army battle monsters. We should do that what? more. Badly. <laughs> like, they just right. get destroyed, oh, really. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the monsters don't attack each other. They only attack the army right. or like the people and then we keep hearing the elevators ding and yeah because it's come like out. so many waves of yes. monsters it's awesome and we don't even see the monsters on the second or third time we just see the <laughs> see blood, the blood hitting on the yeah, window yeah. yeah because they're just hearing all of this happen and it, it is amazing it is the equivalent of like when you were a kid and you just like smashed your toys uh-huh. together as they were like fighting in your mind oh you mean when my G.I. Joe's hunted down the 
X-Men. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Except yeah. your G.I. Joes were monsters and your X-Men were like the soldiers they were destroying. Well, the G.I. Joes mm-hmm. thought the X-Men were the monsters. Well, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we don't have to go to my head. Yeah, game. if it's Stephen King, it was the people who were the monsters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so, I feel like we're not doing it justice, but watch that video. It's really cool. Because like we see a unicorn and we see a giant bat and that's what breaks the glass of the window. Yes. And then it also helpfully attacks a guy in through a hole in the wall. And so that's how they're able to escape away from the zombies that are walking down to yes. get them. And so we see a werewolf eat a guy, an evil clown. We see somebody commit suicide because they don't want to get got by the terrible oh, monster. I thought it was the little like crazy looking girl behind him that was making her that's do what that. I thought yeah. Too. Oh, I thought it was like a mind control like type yeah. monster thing. It but I mean I, I honestly like I could also understand just being like, I'm going out, I'm out. I'm exactly. Out. I'm not going to get chewed to death by a monster. Yeah. All right. And so the elevators open again and Patience Buckner walks out and she's the little baby zombie family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and so in the control room, they're getting attacked and the new guy, Truman, he gets eaten by a bunch of... um, Scarecrowy things. Yeah, yeah. But so as he's getting eaten, he like blows himself yeah, up. Yeah, he like pulls the pin on a grenade. Right, yeah. right. And so it blows all of them up and like knocks everybody down in the room. Yeah, this is when Bradley Whitford goes mm-hmm. flying away mm-hmm. and then you hear these little like like wet thumps uh-huh. coming towards him and he's like, oh, come on. I know, because he, he finally gets, gets to see his merman. Yeah, he does. And then he gets lawnmowered through yeah. the merman's mm-hmm. blowhole. Yeah. Because oh. it's a gross, terrible merman. Yeah. So Lynn has gotten got by tentacles that just slammed through the ceiling. And yes, back but up. the other guy like, gets through the hole he was trying to open mm-hmm. and like he was typing in the you know security code or whatever and he right. gets through and he's running through like these tunnels and he gets stabbed yeah by Dana by Dana yeah and he, and his last words are kill him right he knows that if the stoner dude doesn't die before Dana does, then the whole, the world. whole world's yeah. going to go. Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't even really matter if Dana dies at this point, as long as Marty no, does. No, they could literally just let her go. But Exactly. But Barney, what's his name? Marty. But Marty, Marty has to die. Yeah. Right. But at this point, Marty doesn't hear because he gives her a gun yeah. at this point. And he says it's easier this way, which I'm sure he didn't hear her say that. Or no. Or Sitterson say that. He absolutely was not like, hey, kill me. Here's an easier right. way to do it. <laughs> no, I, yeah. he, there's no way. Yeah. But so they go down into a big chamber and we see the outlines that the blood has gone through um it's no it's not a hole i'm not gonna say it with blood in it no (laughs) i mean listen i can still make the word chamber sexual so well if one thing i've learned in a hundred episodes is that you two could make anything sexual yeah Yeah, except dates (laughs) mikey is single age (laughs) so they're on a giant platform surrounded by like a really and it looks like an ancient cavern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does, yeah. But it's got the outlines that we've seen. And Dana is starting to look at it. And she says that there are five outlines. It's part of a ritual. It's a ritual sacrifice. But Marty is like, yeah, but they couldn't, couldn't they just kill us? Like, you tie them to a rock and then you throw them in the ocean. And she's right. like, no, they want to see us punished. Right. Which is, like, just a commentary on the types of movies that society, like, values. Is like, And we come, when we talked to Nathan Bazell, remember when we interviewed him? Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah. Of course I remember that. And- <laughs> God help him if we ever, like, run into him at some horror convention oh, we're yeah. going to. You're going to lick your tongue his ear, ear. Oh, yeah. all day. <laughs> I am going to, like, I will, oh. 
we were talking to him, like, do you like enjoy watching horror movies? Because if you don't know who we're talking about, he played um, Leslie Vernon. Yeah, in The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Right, yeah. right, which is a commentary on slashers. He's like, no, I don't enjoy like watching kids die. Same. This is when we find out that it is indeed Sigourney Weaver. Ripley. Which I thought was awesome. And yes. she's on her final girl shirt that Jen designed, yes. right? And I love her, and she's great in this, and mm-hmm. she's great in everything she does. I think it would have been awesome if it was Jamie Lee Curtis. I would have Because loved in that. my mind, Jamie Lee Curtis is more of like a final girl. Yeah. And I don't really well, she's see. She's one of the original final girls. Exactly, right? Yeah. And I don't really see Sigourney Weaver that way. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of a different character. I still love that it was her, and right. it was her cameo, but. Um, but so she's talking about all the characters, and she says there's the whore, which is Jules, the athlete, Clearly. the fool, the academic, and then the virgin. Um, leaving the last to die as fate decides because the virgin doesn't necessarily have to die. Right. And this is when Dana says, I'm not a virgin. And she says, we work with what we have. Yeah. And I loved that part. That I really like identified that because as much as I try to project onto things, you know, you're always trying to fit these characters into little boxes to make your theory work. And sometimes right. you just got to kind of bend it a little bit and it doesn't quite work out the way it's supposed to, you know. Are you admitting right now in our 100th episode that sometimes when you project, it doesn't <laughs> quite work? <laughs> well, but you Still try and make it work. Uh, What I'm admitting, and I think I've said this before, (laughs) is that in order for my projecting theories to work, sometimes I have to let go of some things. Some truth. Yeah. Right. What Sigourney Weaver is saying is if we don't pull this off, the ancient ones will rise. And as long as they accept the sacrifice, they will remain below. And so Marty's like, well, what's going to happen? And it's going to be the agonizing death of every human on the planet. And she says you can either die with them or you can die for, for them. them. Yeah. Yes, which I appreciate. I think that's an interesting like moral question, you know, because at this point, Dana is pointing the gun. Yeah, at Marty. she's about to kill him. Yeah, right, right. And she's talking about like it's it's the whole world. Like, yeah. what are we gonna do? Well, yeah, because he's turned around and she's trying to justify it to him. Yeah, exactly. And then he sees the American werewolf in London coming down uh-huh. the steps. He's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry too," uh-huh. and he bites the shit yeah. out of her. Yeah, and so uh, she's getting attacked. Um, and so Sigourney Weaver is fighting with Marty, and so Dana notices that Patience Bruckner is coming back, and she's got an axe, and she's yeah. like, "Marty, Marty, here you." Go. I, um, I did like that because at first she's like barely able to make any sound, so he doesn't notice. Yeah. And it, in my mind, I was like, oh, is she just trying to like convince herself that she did try and help him? Right. But yeah. Well, but, no, but then you see her like actually say it louder and louder. Right. So, she and is he trying does to notice. Yeah. yeah. So well, but before that, he has shot the shot at the werewolf. Oh sh- yeah. And the, the yeah, werewolf and ran, the werewolf ran like, away. He saved her life. Yeah. Because it's not silver bullets. And I was watching the commentary or the special features documentary, and they were talking about writing this. Mm-hmm. And they said, um, Joss Whedon just yelled in. She's like, that's not silver bullets, so it won't kill that werewolf, right? And the other guy, Drew Goddard, just said, yeah, you're right. He's like, my life is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that would just be so Imagine fun. to be able to get paid to do that. Exactly. Like, he got paid a shitload of money to have that conversation. Yes. It's sort of like having this podcast, but it being very successful. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One day, man. So Marty sees that Patience is coming up with an axe, and he flips over so that Sigourney Weaver is on top now. And Which, I mean, I get. Right. Sometimes you want to watch a woman work. She is a beautiful woman. Still. She is, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. She, she can get it. Well, and so she gets axed to the back of the head right before she's about to shoot Marty. Right. And then, so the axe is stuck in her head and Marty kicks them both off so they fall down into the water. Well, into the ancients. Into the, yeah, yeah, into the ancients, yeah. And so the ceiling is starting to shake. 
And so they go over and they're both sitting on the steps and they're like covered in blood. And she's saying, I don't think Kurt even has a cousin. And then they're both apologizing and asking how the other one is doing. And she's like, I'm sorry I tried to shoot you. I probably wouldn't have. And it's just they're sweet together, you know, especially for a non-romantic relationship. Yeah, I don't get any romantic vibes at all. No, I didn't either. Yeah, Yeah. I would have shot him. But <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So he lights a joint. And then they share it. They do share it. Yeah. yeah. And the ceiling starts to shake more. And they're talking about like the evil gods taking over the world and that they wish they could have seen it. Um, that would have been a fun weekend. And then they hold hands and we see the ground start to like split apart. And then we see the cabin and we see a gigantic hand just shot through it and slam down. And that's the and movie. And that's the movie. Roll credits. Yeah. For the hundredth time. I know. I can't believe it. So, okay. So, having seen the movie and then talked about it, what do you guys think about it? Mikey, go first. Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't do want it. to upset Jen or anything. <laughs> I, I mean, I like the film like 90% of the film. Right. And then the, I don't like super nihilistic endings. I'm the same way. I don't like nihilistic endings either. Unless they're done like really well. Like, I love the ending of The Mist. Yeah, because it's a nihilistic ending for the father and not right. the audience. Yeah. But the stoner pretty much selfishly destroys the whole world. Yep. Which I just don't get the motivation behind yeah. that. Well, I think the commentary and one of the things that he's saying, because I get you what you're saying, and that's totally fine. Yeah. I tend to like nihilistic endings. I, we, I know. I, I we like, know. Right. And I like nihilistic endings, too, that you don't leave the movie theater thinking, oh, well, then why the fuck did I watch your movie? And that's sort of the way most nihilistic endings feel to me. Well, and I think it's interesting because as I listen to like the endings that you guys like, like sometimes you do like them. I think it just depends on how it fits into the story. I think if it's done well and you don't leave feeling like you wasted your 90 minutes, then it's great. I think The Mist is the best nihilistic ending. Yeah, me too. I mean, even Stephen King said, man... That guy knows how to write an ending. Right? He's like, I'm glad to change the ending of my book. He did. Yeah, he literally did. Yeah. 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 I, I do think maybe a better ending, at least in your and my eyes, would have been that instead of her shooting him, he takes the gun and kills himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that saves the world. But I also could see how that would spit in the face of what the, like the point they were trying to make with this movie. So, like, I'm not mad at the ending, and I love the movie. I thought mm-hmm. it was great, but that's, like, my only note is that it sort of leaves you walking out of the theater like, the joke's on me then. Well, and I think it fits more with the metaphor of horror, the state of horror at that time, because he's like, it's time for something new. It's time for the the old gods to, like, mm-hmm. or it's time to shake things up, because it is called out just about every element of horror. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just saying, like, okay, we've done this. Now it's time to do something different. And that's what I love. Because I agree. Well, yeah. I, I, and I like that. It's just, I want to, you know, it's hard. It's to- just super nihilistic. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I feel the same way, but it doesn't really ruin the movie for me. It's no. still silly and funny and it's well, really, really well done. Well, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Now, my, I fucking love this movie. Like, it. Really? Oh, yeah, man. I don't think I've ever <laughs> once heard you mention this movie, Jen. <laughs> uh, this is my favorite horror movie and it's wow. one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I saw that you said it transcends genre for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did I say that? On yeah. Twitter, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Guys, follow Jen. She's a great follow on Twitter. Jen, Jen, fun fact. Yeah. This is like my jam. Like this movie oh, was yeah. made for people like me. I <laughs> yeah. love it. Yeah. And it worked, man. It did. Yeah. Awesome. So let's do box office, right? All right. So what do you guys think the budget for this movie was? Five million. What do you think it was, mm, Mike? More like 
Twenty. You're both a little low. It was actually thirty million dollars. Really? Yeah. A lot of special I mean, effects. A lot of yeah. special oh, effects true. and a lot of big name actors. Yeah. Bradley but, Whitford wasn't a nobody. Chris yeah. Hemsworth wasn't a nobody. He was a nobody at this point. I've got a fun fact about yeah, that. He was? He was a nobody. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought he was All the kids were nobody. No shit. Yeah. I thought yeah. Chris Hemsworth was already like doing the Marvel stuff at this point. No, this is actually the studio saw the dailies of this and he got red dawn from that. And then two days later he got Thor. No shit. Okay, movie. that yeah, makes yeah. sense. Now it was before Preemptive it- fun. In fact, so uh, what do you think this movie made domestically in its run? $50 million. 64. Okay. It oh. made $42 million Woo. domestically, but it made $28 million international, so it's $70 million, almost $71 million. So it made its money back. Absolutely yeah. it did. Mm-hmm. Then it made another $14 million in DVD and Blu-ray sales. In fact, in its first week out, it was third at the box office, and mm-hmm. that was the best it did. And it was out the same week Hunger Games was out. Hunger uh, Games whoa. in its fourth week, yeah. yeah. The first so, one? Yeah, it was the four the first Hunger Games. It was in its fourth week and it still beat it. It's Hemsworth but versus Hemsworth, man. Also <laughs> It was. Yeah. It was a showdown oh at the gosh. box office, mm-hmm. and Liam won. And then it was also beaten by the Three Stooges. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, I don't even remember. Was that, that the movie. one with Jim Carrey? No. Who was in it? No, it was like a bunch of Mad TV people oh. making. Oh, it was. I didn't see it. It looked real bad. Anyway, yeah. it did really well in the theaters, though. I mean, it made its money back in Yay. the theaters, and then made a little bit more in DVD and Blu-ray sales. So it's done well, and ultimately, it did eventually do better. Than Three Stooges. Three Stooges only did fifty-four million at the box office. So let's go into Jen's fun facts. All right, Jen's, Jen's fun, facts. fun facts. Now with more fun. So this was made in around two thousand nine, and it was made by MGM. But then MGM went bankrupt. And no so, shit. Yeah, so they weren't able to put it out, and so this like just sat for two years without anything wow. happening with That's it. Insane. I know it sucked, and like especially like people in the horror community, like we knew it was happening because Drew Goddard had done. And, um, Cloverfield and everybody yeah. knew who Joss Whedon was and so yeah. like they knew this movie existed but it hadn't come out yet and that's why it was interesting like it came out and Chris Hemsworth had done it before Thor but after it came out like everybody knew who he was so yeah. I think it went, oh. worked in their favor too but so it didn't end up coming out till 2011 when Lionsgate bought it that makes sense um, Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon they wrote it to intentionally to re- revitalize the slasher and they were making a commentary on um, torture porn and empty characters and just kind of the state of horror which we've kind of talked about but they wrote this movie most of this movie they wrote it in a weekend and they just went into a hotel room together and were just writing it together which I thought was I could see that yeah. Fun. yeah yeah so the special effects were done by AFX studio which is Heather Langenkamp and her husband's studio nice yeah that's great the scene where she is uh, making out with the wolf or moose if you will mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I hate Marty so much I love it Silver Marty He's great. Pa- they put powdered sugar on the tongue of the wolf. So when she was looking. Oh, yeah. Up, that's yeah. why she was getting real deep in that <laughs> tongue. So there was supposed to be a Left for Dead tie-in. Do you know that game? Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. So th- it w- there was going to be a tie-in to that. Some of the monsters in those um, little cells are Left for Dead monsters. Oh, okay. Um, and they were going to have the levels be like the top level was the cabin. And then the bottom levels were like the, the control room and everything. But because the studio went bankrupt and the movie just sat there forever, that that fell through yeah one of the monsters is a gigantic cat which <laughs> would be like an egyptian like god or something yeah that's awesome um okay so the body count in this movie is are you ready yeah 69 yeah, yeah. Nice. there you go uh, noise but technically the body count is 6.8 billion 
because sure. everybody uh, involved yeah. dies. Uh, <laughs> no, that was why funny. don't we just round it up to 6.9 6.9 billion? Nine billion? Uh, no. Noise. Veto. Oh, my bad. Right. Oh. So this was filmed in the woods outside of Vancouver. <laughs> and which a lot of places yeah. Vancouver is just beautiful. And a lot of things are filmed around there because it is very like picturesque and I think they've got some tax credit kind of stuff. Oh, they do. Yeah. They incentivize films for doing stuff. There. Yeah, they do. Well, because another film that was shooting in the same woods was Twilight. No yeah. shit. Yeah. Oh <laughs> man, that's awesome. Talks about like if you panned over you would see Edward and Bella. <laughs> One of the inspirations for this was watching The Breakfast Club as an adult. And so they were watching it and they were seeing all the teens because I think when you're watching it as a kid, you're like on the teen side. And then as you watch it, when you're an adult, you're seeing it from the perspective of the principal who's just trying to do his job and the janitor who's like making the commentary on it. So he's saying like there are two competing stories in this. There's like the control room and they're trying to like save the world. Right. And then there are the kids who just don't want to die. And so when you look at it, there's really not a bad guy. Except for the ancient ones, you know? Right. And Which so, is us. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> But he just was talking about that competing narrative and how, like, if you just shift your perspective, the kids are the bad guys if they, like, cause the world to be ruined, you know? So Sigourney Weaver apparently was really excited to shoot with a werewolf. And so uh, when she showed up to set, she kept asking, when's the werewolf going to be here? When's the werewolf going to be here? Oh, that's awesome. It was, it was really that's cool. That's so cute. And it's just so cool that she would do that. Absolutely. Too, you know? yeah. So I mentioned that we saw a reaver in the movie. Yes, from yeah, Firefly. From Firefly, yeah. yeah and I know that you Love like them. Firefly yeah. so much. So there are the failed rituals that we see. We see the one that's from Japan, and that's a reference to Ringu or the ring. Um, the Stockholm scenario was supposed to be a reference to the thing. Oh, okay, ah. no shit, okay. Um, the Buenos Aires scenario was supposed to be King Kong or a similar kind of I King saw the Kong ape thing. head, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the Madrid one, we're not exactly sure, but it looks like Dracula's castle. Yeah, it looks like a castle on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what those are referencing. So apparently there's a monster on the board, and I have paused at that board and just read all of the monsters, and it's just so fascinating. You're such a nerd. I know, man. I love it. <laughs> Horror nerd. Um, but one of the references is Kevin, and it just says Kevin on the board. Is that a reference to we got to talk about Kevin? It's not. Well, maybe. Oh, okay. What they wrote it for was a guy who looks like a normal guy who just works at Best Buy until he starts, like, killing and dismembering people. And so that was the monster, Kevin. And they said it could have been a reference to Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream, but it also could have been a reference to Elijah Wood's character in Sin City. Have you guys seen Sin City? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think I did a long, long time He's a cannibal. Uh oh, spoilers! But yeah, oh. but he looks like just a normal guy, yeah. you know, very like kind of diminutive. So that's Kevin referenced on the board. Well, all right, yeah. And those are my fun facts. Well, thank you for your fun facts, You're Jen. Very welcome. So, Jen, let's do the scary scale. All right, scary scale. Hey, listeners, our scary scale—it's the hundredth scary scale, guys. Can you believe it? No, our scary scale is a scale we use to rank how scared we were when we watched the movie today. It's not a ranking of the quality of the film because this film is, of course, a ten. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not biased at all. It's it's a ranking of how scared we were when we watched it today. <sighs> our one example is Ghostbusters. Our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All right, Todd. It's definitely a one for me because it's, it's a horror comedy. It's funny. Oh, you know what? No, a two. Because, because the, of the fucking werewolf, werewolf <laughs> in the elevator 
Yeah, absolutely uh-huh. a two. But it was great. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Mikey? I'm going to go with a one. <laughs> I'm going to give it a one, too. I don't think. That's now, 12, Jen. That's a 12. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Math jokes. But what I love about this movie is it's still, it's not particularly scary, and it is funny in a lot of ways, yeah. but it still functions as a horror movie. It does. Like Scream, you know? I think the meta elements are just enough yeah. to take you out. But if I they think leaned- this is so much better than Scream. I, like, Scream oh. is, like, on a... S- s- much much lower level than this. I I love Scream. I do too. Now I like this better than Scream because I love this I better than that. almost anything. But Scream is also I, I do like this. Scream's in my top five. Check the tape. I think I like Scream. You did like Scream. I yeah. think this is much better than Scream. Well, but I think like this was kind of coming after Scream. You I mean, know? That's fair. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. All right, so one. So that's our scary scale. So this week, you guys made me watch Cabin in the Woods. What are you guys making me watch next week? Well, Todd, we're not making you watch anything. Oh, it's listener request week. Yes. And our theme for this month, because we are celebrating our 100th episode, and we know. Yeah. We know know that there are some of your favorites that we've missed along the way. So our theme was, I can't believe they haven't done it yet, and you chose The Strangers. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one with Liv Tyler and Scott Foley, I think. I don't know. Everyone told me I'm going to hate this movie. Yeah. So thanks a lot, listeners. The listeners know what scares you, Todd. Ugh. Yeah. So we're going to be watching The Strangers next yeah. week. So guys, watch it. Woo woo. And uh, I guess we'll have to make mm-hmm. me watch that. Good luck. <sighs> All right. All right, guys. It has come time for Mikey to read another five-star Uh-oh. review. You have one picked out for me? I do, actually. It's from B Major 88 and the title is, like talking about horror movies with your best friends. Aww. Not just regular friends, guys. Your best friends. Ooh, you're making me live. So the I reason I wanted you to read this one, Mikey, is because it says, Mikey should try and do this in his best Morgan Freeman impression. Uh-oh. And I can't Lord wait. Lord, help us all. I have been so excited since I saw this review come through. Oh, my God. Thanks, B Major 88. <laughs> yes, thank you, B Major. I got to channel some Shawshank in this. Okay, um. And a do frame. <laughs> He's got to get into character, yeah, guys. Yeah. This is quite simply top tier <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I discovered the pod a few weeks ago and have listened to at least an episode a day since. That is commitment. Thank you. I feel so soothed. The content is great. The discussions are great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Most of Todd's jokes are great. Most of. <laughs> he does say winky blinky after that. Uh, winky blinky. Yeah. He love my jokes. And the fun facts are always great. Oh, they they are. If you love horror movies and you love talking about horror movies, this is exactly what it's <laughs> like to discuss your favorite <laughs> horror movies with your best friend. <laughs> best friends like Andy Dufresne. <laughs> great work all around and can't wait for more. Love you guys. Aww. I Thank you so much, B Major, yes, for that, that awesome sweet. review. I really wish it had ended with, you better get busy listening. Yeah. Or okay. get busy dying. Oh, <laughs> well, we can pretend it did. Oh, my God. Oh. Thank you so much, B-Major, for that awesome <laughs> well, review. He crawled through two miles of shit to, to leave that to review. Yeah. <laughs> Why he chose enchilada night, I never know. Thank you so much, guys, for yes, leaving these reviews. And if you. you guys want us to read your five-star review, hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave your five-star review. And we will read it. Leave Mikey an accent. I love yeah. the accents, man. They're great. They are fun. So thank you guys so much for doing that. We are a member of the Consequence Podcast Network. So make sure you guys check out their other awesome shows like Kyle Meredith with This Must Be the Gig, The Opus, The Assembly. The Fifth Dimension. Yeah, The Fifth Dimension. Losers Club and Halloweenies. Absolutely, guys. They're amazing. Check them out. 
Uh, also, check out our shit at horrorvirgin.com. You can see Jen's blog as well yep. as links to the merch store. We also have um, our socials at Horror Virgin. And then if you want to follow us all individually, it's at Jen Ferratu with two N's. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J awesome. And if you want to help financially support the show, please do hop over to patreon.com slash horror virgin and sign up for one of our awesome, great levels there. We do bi monthly bonus episodes, yeah. a lot of great video content, a lot of great, uh, just other excess bonus content, maybe some too hot for a horror virgin content that will end up there. A lot of <laughs> yeah. the jump scare stuff ends up there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, if you want to help support the show, that's the best way to do it. And if you can do it that way, yeah. if you can't financially support the show for for whatever reason, but you still want daily free horror virgin content, jump over into our Facebook group. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash horror virgin. And guys, daily free content. Don't miss it. It's really yeah. an awesome, very welcoming, very loving community. Yeah. And I just did a video on Candyman that went into the Facebook group. And yeah. so that kind of stuff is the only place you're going to find it there. Is awesome. Yeah. Check it out. For the hundredth time. I know, right? <laughs> I can't believe it. Hey, guys, we would not have made it to a hundred episodes no, we would not without have. you. Absolutely We not. wouldn't have made it this far without you. We're so grateful that you've been with us on this like crazy ride. If you're just catching up or if you've like listened to us from the very beginning, thank you so much for being part of this absolutely it yeah. really means so much it does i, I can't believe it it's I know. really fun yeah it is, it is. we feel very 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 episodes. lucky to be able to talk to you guys every day yeah, thanks I for letting know. us be a part of your life yeah absolutely a hundred times guys i know i still remember our first episode i don't so that's gonna be it for us guys thank you so much for joining us all right so for the hundredth time i'm jen i'm mikey and i'm your horror version side guys (laughs) (laughs) have a great week for uh, 68 times i don't know (laughs) roughly (laughs) roughly bye nerds Consequence Podcast Network.